Hallelujah. As the Lord leads you. Are you sure? Okay. God is good and the devil can just go to hell. But none of you. All right. Just want to tell you that I've prayed for our nations lately. And I hear from the Lord that it's a small group of troublemakers, not a large country volume, a small, and that the purpose of the devil is to create fear and negativity in his church. Get us distracted from the main purpose to bring the gospel. We are responsibly placed here to bring the gospel to this continent. And the devil would like to distract us and weaken our faith. And people always tell me, my wife looks at Facebook all the time and she says, there's so much going on in Africa, it's dangerous. It's, no, it's less dangerous in South Africa. I know how to put burglar bars and where not to drive. But in, in America, if you go to a church or to a, a mall or to a school, you just don't know they're going to come and shoot you. You have no choices, no way of protecting yourself. So anywhere you go in the world, the only one protection you have is the Lord. So I don't want you in this house, family of God, to fear or be intimidated by the devil's lies. The worst that can happen is they can send you home earlier. That's the, uh, that's the worst that can happen. But the Lord is in control and the devil cannot do. Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, who said to him, I have power of life and death over you. Speak up, Jesus. He said, you have nothing except the Father give it to you. So we are in God's hands. Can you say amen to that? Amen. All right. Just very briefly, as I want to teach this morning, I do not teach the same thing in both sessions. I do have my newest book released here that I have at the back on interpreting dreams. Everybody dreams every night, an average of, of two to eight dreams, the dreams you remember, the ones closest to your waking period, and that God does speak to, whether you saved or unsaved, God speaks in dreams. And I've taught you how to lay the dream out, to recognize the patterns, to understand whether it's for you personally, for the ministry in, who you're dreaming for, Pontius Pilate's wife dreamt for, his, for her husband about to have nothing to do with this Jesus because he was an official. And so there are many things that I can teach you and I have taught you in this book as well as a dictionary at the end, uh, at the back of the book to help you interpret your dreams. So please acquire that at the back if you need it if you want to make it to heaven. All right. <laughs> I have... <laughs> I'm Jewish. I have many... <laughs> I really am. And <laughs> so I have many other audio and, and other books at the back there if you want to also look at that. What I'd like to speak to you today, if you'll let me, is how we see ourselves and how it changes everything in our faith and our own journey with the Lord. From the day that you're born, throughout your life, your own self-image is formed in different things that change it. And one of the most successful, notorious, no, not notorious, most famous people in the world was King David. He was recognized for the success. He brought the nation to unity and a great level of spirituality and great victory. That's why they would expect another David. When Jesus came, he was a spiritual David. And so David still today is celebrated as a remarkable king. But he was not without many, many human challenges in his life. And what I noticed, and if I read from the book of second book of Samuel, if you want to read with me, if you want to read your Bibles, I'll just listen to what I, what I read from, is second Samuel 5, verse 11 to 12. You know, David was anointed three different times in his life in a very powerful way. He was anointed by Samuel in direct obedience to God as the next king of Israel. He was anointed by the... Uh, the elders of Judah, or the, or the, yeah, the elders of Judah, and of course the, the fathers of Israel also anointed him at different times. So he had three of anointings as king, and yet he still struggled to see himself as the king. 
It says in 2 Samuel 5 verse 11 that Hiram, king of Tyre, right next door, sent messengers to David and cedar trees, carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. And David, it says, perceived, realized, comprehended that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that exalted his kingdom for his people's Israel's sake. So only when this king sent from another country, sent masons, wood, and, and carpenters to build him a house, finally David figures, I, I must be king. He struggled to see himself as king. It wasn't the first powerful, dramatic anointing from Samuel or the other anointings. It wasn't the fact that he had a whole crowd or a whole bunch of army soldiers following him for 20 years. It wasn't the fact that he brought down Goliath. It wasn't the fact that all people cheered him and said he was a great leader. It was to, his mind still couldn't perceive who he was. It took a strange happening. He thought, well, they wouldn't be building a house from sin kings who wouldn't send stuff to build a house for a shepherd boy. So I think in the long term, he was still not seeing himself as the king. And so many people like Gideon, who also saw himself as a weak link in the whole tribe of Israel, and it was God that spoke to him that he was a great warrior. He just couldn't see it. And God sees us in a different way. Now, David would have had a much greater advantage in some ways than you and I because of his life situation. He was thrust into being a mere shepherd where he was cut off from the rest of his family. We don't know who his mother, mother was. There's no reference in biblically, historically, in any way, shape, or form. In fact, David, his own perception, writes in Psalm 51, in sin was I conceived, in iniquity was I, was I born. And so he sees himself as someone with a questionable beginning, and his brothers certainly didn't like him. Even after being anointed as king publicly in front of them, they still didn't recognize him, admire him, like him in any way, shape, or form. It was a hard journey from his own father, saw no possibilities. And there is an issue, how your family sees you. We are influenced by our, first of all, our family, how they see us. And so it changes when they tell us what we are, who we are, we begin to believe those things. And then we have society, whether it's school or whoever it is, always dictating to us that influence us. David had a large chunk of his life completely alone with a bunch of sheep and quiet of the Lord. If you read Psalms on a regular basis and begin to really delve into it, you'll see David's own journey with God and how that his complete dependency was. Men would trust in chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord. He always reverted back to what he knew was consistent in his life. The only way to know your own image and know who you are is how God views you and God sees you. Because my concern is if you have a wrong concept where you think too much of yourself, then there's pride and arrogance. If you think too little of yourself, you expectancy and faith level becomes limited to see what God can do for you, through you, and wants to use you for. Don't get too excited. Please take it down and not just way too excited in here. Are you with me still? You would think that when Samuel, the major prophet, anointed him, that even his brothers and dad would say, David, you're the man. Well, just stay here. We'll go take care of the sheep. But he went right back 
take care of his sheep. David had a lot of struggles in his life. He, his brothers didn't like him, and of course his first wife didn't like him, and then he was not the best father either because he, was, he mourned for an idiot called Absalom that was trying to overthrow him, and when he was killed, he just couldn't stop grieving over this boy, and this, the, the leader of the army said, if you don't stop with this mourning for Absalom, we're all going to leave you. We've had enough of this nonsense. And that just shows you all the struggles as a human being that he had. He had a problem with women too, and yet God called him a man after his own heart. When God called him to be king and settled in heaven while he was still a boy, God saw something in David that was profound, that was deep inside of him. And he told Samuel, when Samuel got to the boys, because he had told, prepared the father, he told Jesse, get your boys ready, I'm about to anoint one of them. So Jesse thinks it through, well, who could possibly be king? Of course, the first one, the one to open the womb, is holy to God, and he was tall, and he was a, the first three boys were all involved in the military with with Saul, so any one of them could be it. Then he went through his mind, and he had eight boys, and all seven of them, in Jesse's mind, had a possibility, a remote possibility, maybe, but all had a chance, but not David. David could not be red-headed, red-complexioned, don't know who his mother was. There's no way David had a single chance to be king. But yet, when Samuel came and he looks at Eliab, he says, that must be God's man because he's so tall. And God says, no, you look on the outside. I look on the inside. So often... We are dictated by society how people see us, the way we dress, the way we look, what color our skin is, what weight we have. All those things seem to make people make a quick judgment of who we are. Big mistake. And if we let people do that to us, we'll begin to buy into that image and think that's who we are. Even the mistakes you make will try and tell you that's who you are. But you are not the mistakes you made. You were made in God's image. That went over well. Yeah. You're made to be like him and, and follow after him. You have his DNA. You know that, don't you? And the devil's doing all he can to try and pervert that and get you away from that very pattern that God has planned for you to be successful and a great effective life that you don't just pass through here but make a big difference to everyone's impact. But you cannot measure yourself the way people measure. We read in, in 2 Corinthians 10 that only fools compare themselves to other people. Big mistake to compare yourself to people or measure yourself on how people see things because people change. People are very shallow and fickle and their opinions change from one moment to another. When Paul arrives on the island of Malta, the Bible says the Maltians were very friendly and kind, exceptionally so, and it was raining so Paul helped gather some sticks and a snake comes out and hangs off his hand and these Maltians who don't even know him were friendly, immediately go to the Understanding he must be a bad person because a snake has bit him. They looked at the appearance and they judged him right away. And then when a snake didn't kill him, after a while they changed their mind. He suddenly became a god. You went from being a devil to a god all in one day. So people's opinions change of you all the time. You don't rise and fall in people's opinions, but in God's word. Because people change all the time. Yet we're so influenced by people's opinions in our teenage years. Teenagers go through so hard. My mother told me my childhood was the best years of my life. And I told my mother many times, a childhood is something you spend all your life trying to fix. Because you're so impressionable, when you get older, you have better things to measure and compare with. When you're a kid, you have nothing to compare with, no information. So everything that happens is so impressionable. 
Everything stays with you, and that's why we need the Lord. There's nothing like God. He's the best measuring tool and the best input. There's no friend greater than Him. There's no one more you can trust than Him, than the Lord. And that's why I always tell people, get back with the Lord, get God's opinion on you, but you rise and fall in His opinion, not in man's opinion. No one can stop what God's got for you. No one can make it happen. If it's not happening for you, it's not, it's not somebody doing it to you. It's you and God, nobody else. Because God can open doors that no man can shut. He's able. I'm a living testimony of that. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing. Nothing. He loves us to be completely dependent upon Him. If you can do stuff for yourself, you don't, you don't give God a chance to do it for you. It's true. I told a bunch of people recently in a church, I told them they got very shocked at me. I said that you guys are born again, but you don't really belong to the Lord. You don't really, your life's not His. And they were so shocked. I said, well, while you're making your own decisions, your life's not His. You're the boss. If your life was really belonged to Him, you'd let Him make the decisions. You'd go to Him with everything about prayer. You won't just go buy a car. You won't just get married. You'll ask the Lord about everything because your life is His. If your life's not his, it's not his yet. And he wants you to give you, he wants you to give him your life. He's given his life to you. Am I right? Yeah. And it's the happiest place to be. Not Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. The happiest place to be is in the perfect place that God wants you in his relationship to him. I can tell you, I was younger, like David, and I'm older, and I can tell you truthfully, there's nothing that can satisfy you in this world but the Lord. And there's nothing, no one like him. Nobody, nobody. He's the best friend. He's faithful. He never lets you down, not one moment. And the more you know him, the more you will be happy and content. Are you hearing me? All right. Now, getting back to David, how he struggled. He had a real issue in his life. What God saw in him was something very, very profound. We read in the book of Acts, chapter 13, 22, after removing Saul as king, God gave them David, the son of Jesse, testifying, I found David, a man after my own heart, because he will do everything I ask him to. And I, when I first discovered that, I thought that's... Not possible. I do everything you ask me to do, God. And God laughed at me and said, you don't even hear the things I say, let alone do them. <laughs> Come to find out it's so true because we struggle to obey the Lord. If he tells you to do something that's fun, you have no problem. If I prophesied you all to give uh, 10,000 rand the offering this morning, you'd break out in a sweat. If I prophesied you're supposed to go to Mauritius for a, for a week, you wouldn't want a confirmation. You'd want to leave in a hurry <laughs> before God changes his mind, you think. And you all laugh because you understand the principle. We're all human, and we like to hear good things that please our flesh. But when you're totally devoted to him, and that's what David was, God could say anything. He even ran to do what he thought God was saying. And God will back you. If you're doing it for the right reason, because you love the Lord, and you really believe he said that to you, and you made a mistake, he'll back it, and he'll make it work together. He'll, do, he'll bring a blessing from it, because he's looking for those that are devoted to him. And so I'm here to ask you to surrender your life to him, but also let God change the way you see yourself, that you can see yourself the way God sees you, that you can be effective and not influenced by people and struggle with all the people's opinions in your life. Because what you really need is to be devoted and love him. God has given you... A call to love him with all of your heart and all of your mind it was never God's will for you to love people 
animals or anything else more than you love the Lord. He has to be first. And we sang that song this morning, you're still my first love. Let that be true in your heart today, that no one else, nothing else comes between you and the Lord because God designed you to be loved by Him and to love Him. And from the overflow of that love, you're able to love other people. You cannot possibly love someone if you need them. We read in Corinthians that love is kind and patient and seeks not its own. If you need someone, that's why I find a hard time with these love songs they call love songs, especially the country songs. I, I will always love you. I, I need you. If I ask you to please don't go, please leave. I bought those shoes that walked out on me. Find time to leave me, Lucy, with four hungry. It's so depressing. This. How could it possibly be love songs? They're more like hate songs to me. I don't know why they called it that. It's just miserable because love is a happy. If you love loved by the Lord, you know that God's a source, the only source of love, that you're able to love others because you're so overwhelmed with His love. His love is pure, good, and never changes, and as David calls it, unfailing. It never lets you down. People are up and down. They change. They make mistakes. They're human, as do you. And yet, when you're filled with His love, you're able to love them, not because they love you back. If you need them to love you, then you don't really love them. If you're filled with God's love and you lose some channel, some way, some person that's loving you, then you you haven't lost anything. All you've lost is the actual way it came through and God will raise it another way because His love will always get to you because He is faithful. <clears throat> so now, David in his own struggle, in his own life, and he's a wonderful example of relationship with the Lord and all his failings set the tone constantly of going back to God, putting God first in every situation in his life. Even when he failed, he'd come back to the Lord, restore, always put God first. There's no one else and nothing else. There should be no one else. And we have a, an ultimate call in this nation to be that. The people, the whole earth is calling and mourning for the coming of the sons of God that really serve the Lord with all of their heart. I, my I travel the world and they ask me how my schedule is and I tell them I cannot not come to South Africa at least once a year. I need a charge, an injection because the rest of the world is really seems to be getting colder. But in South Africa, there's always a wonderful anointing that I, I feel, feel recharged. And don't you take it maybe lightly because you live here, you don't understand how blessed you are to dwell in the presence of God. And I love to hear that kind of talk. We want more of His presence. We want more of Him. Not more of what he can do, but more of him. Because when he comes, he brings all the things with him anyway. So we want him. He wants to be wanted by us. Are you hearing me? We only pass this earth once. It goes by very fast. And every day, there's no do-overs. You may as well do it right the first time round. So I want you to let God change the way you see yourself and get with the Lord and spend time with Him that you can see yourself through God's eyes and start changing the way you believe and see that your expectancy can change and what God can do for you, through you, and use you for. Because God wants to use each one in this room. There are no spectators, only participators. Are you hearing me? So God has got a plan for your life. There is no question. And I'm excited for you that you can become all that God has for you. You're excited, I can tell. <laughs> it's a wonderful church. You have wonder There's a wonderful anointing in this house. You may take it very lightly, but tell, let me tell you, you don't find it everywhere. So if you've got something neg to say negative about this church, take my advice and shut up. <laughs> don't even tell your husband or wife. Keep it to yourself because it's not going to help. He's going to hurt you. Right? Your words will hurt you. Right? And even the way you say about yourself, you cannot say things that you're stupid, that you're a failure, or you cannot say those things. 
The devil likes to distract you. That's why we have all these visible, makes a lot of noise in the nation through riots, whatever, just to make enough noise or enough reports just to create fear. If faith comes by hearing, so does fear. It's the same pattern. The devil has no, is not greater than our Lord Jesus. Yet he could do nothing in Nazareth because of unbelief. So how can the devil do what he wants unless he has faith? So if he can create an expectancy, and we have an expectancy. We are so expectant to be burgled that we put huge barbed wire around our house and fences, and we're expecting to be attacked. We uh, live such a life to be over-secure. We don't expect God to be watching over us. We expect to be doubly careful because we have so much going on. Am I right? And so that's the devil creates that fear. How did we get like that? How, what teaches a child to fear when mother says, don't climb that tree, you're going to fall out of it. They'll, they'll tell you, they'll put those words in you of fear you didn't have before because we speak those words, we create the fear. When we are really the vessels of faith and love and power, it's we, are, we represent the Lord. We speak what God says. Are you listening to me? And so we are the voice in this nation. There is no other solution. I want you to know there is no other life other than God. I can never apologize. You'll not get salvation anywhere else but through Jesus Christ. Islam's not going to save you. Islam will not save you. Are you hearing me? There's only one gospel. I said the other day in a church and also got a major reaction. I said, it's strange to me that if, you, if you're a Christian and you are an an infidel, and, the, and they are the extreme Muslims will decapitate you. Well, there are other infidels. How come they don't decapitate uh, Buddhists or Hare Krishnas? They're also infidels. Why is it just the Christians? Nah, you get an idea. The way the world reacts to you consistently, if you go to work and you talk about any religion you like, but mention Jesus and watch him get upset. Why? They can persecute us, they can do what they like to us, but you can't touch their little cows, their little sacred cows. It's too, too perfect. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Because they know He's real. They don't believe in Jesus, but mention His name and watch them react. Yeah, because they, they've proven to us there is no other way. There is no other way but and a name that can, be, that can bring you to salvation but the Lord Jesus. Right? So you've got to see yourself the way God has called you to be and who God's called you, not what people tell you or what your friends told you or the mistakes you've made. You've got to change all that and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, show me. Let me see myself through your eyes and understand what you expect of me. And you may change some things that ought not to be and some things that ought to be and let God grow you. That you don't pass this way and stay the same. We're continually growing and discovering all that God has for us. Can you say amen? It was a short teaching and I'm going to teach something else in the next session. So if you want to stay, you're welcome. Tuesday, but I want to prophesy a little in the sessions. Is that okay with you, Pastor?